Welcome to the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. Since 1937, MUCC has been committed to conserve, protect, and enhance Michigan's natural resources and outdoor heritage. Now, here's your host, Mike Avery. Welcome once again to the Michigan Out of Doors podcast, a presentation of the good folks from MUCC, Michigan United Conservation Clubs. MUCC, uh, in my opinion, a group that everybody who is in the great state of Michigan, at least, who is concerned about conservation, natural resource issues, wildlife-related issues, hunting and fishing-related issues, I believe should be a member of MUCC. I am. I'm putting my money uh, behind my beliefs, as MUCC does as well. And one of the key reasons I really strongly believe in MUCC is the people in the organization. I think they do a wonderful job with a very, very minimal staff. Amy Trotter is the uh, deputy director at MUCC, and she has graciously agreed to uh, join us on this edition of the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. Amy, welcome back. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Uh, slow time of year. Amy, I think midsummer things are slowing down there at MUCC. Well, you know, I wish that was the case, but there's <laughs> always something that crops up, certainly. So uh, the legislature is quiet. I'll say that. So they're they're not in town, um, and they're back campaigning in their districts. So at least that's not one less thing to worry about. Well, if I remember right, you're just coming off your annual convention, correct? Correct, yes. This is always a... a Key, keystone event for our organization. It's the time of year when delegates from all of our member clubs and even individual members, um, agency representatives from the Department of Natural Resources, we had the Natural Resources Commission, um, all come together to not only uh, debate and uh, and you know develop policy for our organization, but also to celebrate um, a lot of great conservation work that's happened around the state and, and certain individuals who have been part of that as well. Amy, back up a step. Did you say that it's not just MUCC members, but it's also NRC and DNR who are part of this convention? Yeah, they certainly come. They they witness it. They engage and network with our members while they're there. And then um, actually, Commissioner, um, the chairwoman, Vicki Ponce, um, gave us a keynote address. And then also Director Keith Cray from the DNR also provided some uh, welcoming words to our delegation and kind of uh, some direction of things they're working on still yet uh, this year. So are they involved in any way in setting policy, or they're there, uh, as you say, strictly as outside observers? Um, well, their, their engagement happens early on with our resolution process. So the department, once, once a resolution is, is on its way to convention, so it's passed at our regional levels um, with the Conservation Policy Board, and we know that it is going to convention, um, the department actually provides us with comments. And that might be, you know, we support, we oppose. It might be, you know, here's some more information about what we've found about this issue. Uh, you know, maybe you need to talk to the legislature, this isn't within the commission's authority, things like that. So they are a resource for us. But ultimately, um, you know, some people 
uh, read those comments and 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 vote the way that you know and uh, the way that might be indicated from the department's comments on that. And some people, um, you know, are are mandated by their club to vote a certain way. So everybody kind of takes those comments as a piece of information, but it might not be the entire you know uh, reason for their support or opposition sure, to any sure. given issue. Uh, one one of the reasons I think this annual convention is so exciting, though, is, man, you talk about a grassroots organization. You know, people, people today say, boy, I don't have any input in anything. Government's become too big. The NRC, the DNR is too big. I can't do anything about it. But this convention, this MUCC convention process, really allows anybody to get directly involved in deciding the future of our state and our natural resources. That's true. And it's just amazing when you think back of all the kind of huge, you know, policy initiatives that this organization has been part of over 81 years, um, a lot of those have come as a very much a direct result from a policy resolution brought by a member of MUCC. And it doesn't have to be a club. It can be an individual member. It can be, um, you know, someone's idea at the coffee shop that they want to take and run with. Um, And any of those ideas that come out, you know, they do have to pass through a vetting process. And that's our conservation policy board, which meets quarterly. And they take up those issues. They may ask for clarifications, amendments, uh, send it back to the writer for more work, um, a a variety of things at that level. But once it's ready for annual convention, it's uh, open debate. And our, our convention delegates certainly do enjoy the debate uh, side of it. Um, and, you know, they, they take their time in, in looking at what's right for conservation and, um, and certainly, you know, where, where issues might not be ripe for, uh, for the conversation yet, too. This is the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. You can learn more about Michigan Out of Doors and MUCC at MUCC.org. That's MUCC.org. The Facebook page, Facebook.com slash MUCC1937. And on Instagram at MUCC1937. We're talking with Deputy Director Amy Trotter. And Amy, let me uh, let me uh, make sure I understand this. I, as a member of MUCC, actually have an idea that I think... Um, should be brought up at the next convention. How would I go about doing this? What is the process? The process is is really, um, you know, reaching out usually to maybe an experienced member, a club that you're a member of, um, that's affiliated with MUCC, or just even our staff. And we can show you the tools of how to draft that idea into a resolution. And the resolution is really just saying what you want to happen and why. Um, so there's a series of whereas statements that are, you know, based in fact and, um, you know, should be supporting the the reason you are asking for this change. And then the therefore be it resolved at the end is what you're really asking for. So it might be a change in policy. It might just be education. It might say work with this organization to do something good. Um, and, and really that's the simplest process is, is just getting those um, pieces of information down on paper so that people can understand where you're coming from, why, um, you know, again, debate it, uh, amend it, look at it. But, um, and then that has to go to one of our conservation policy board meetings. So those happen on a quarterly basis in September, December, and March, and then June is our annual convention. And then it sounds like you've got some friends with you today. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, no. There, hey, there is no reason to be sorry about having some dogs with you in the background. I think it's wonderful. What do you have there with you, Amy? 
Uh, it's actually not in my office, but we always have a few office dogs hanging around, and they are generally hunting dogs. <laughs> we have uh, a variety, mostly upland bird dogs. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, Amy, so so then, so MUCC um, adopts something at the convention as as a group. These are not binding, right? I mean, what happens with these suggestions or, or resolutions after that? So the resolutions, when they come to convention, again, um, they get they do get voted on, and anything that requires a change in law or regulation, so it requires our staff to go and lobby on behalf of this organization, that requires a two-thirds majority. So I would say anything that passes at our resolution with a two-thirds major- majority at convention um, it is a ban- mandate <laughs> from okay, our membership. Okay. Um, it's a super majority um, that's required for those kinds of things. So, um, and the reason being is I think that maybe wasn't always the case, but um, it what it helps with is it it ensures that our staff has a good firm limb to stand on. We're not going out on a limb on ourselves. Uh, you know, we know that we have the bulk of our membership behind us on a given issue. And it also prevents us from really flip-flopping year to year um, based on who, you know, might be different in the room. Um, so it, it provides a little bit of stability. Um, we're not going to change our minds very often unless it's a very thorough, there's, you know, vetting process and a new information that might change the membership's uh, opinions on something. But um, what that is is marching orders for our staff. So certainly it's not binding on the department or the Natural Resources Commission, but it's, it's, a, it's a perspective um, or it's a, it's a position for our staff to then go and carry forward. Now, how we might implement that, you know, we try our best to stay very, very committed to the, the resolution as it was adopted in a political process, there's always negotiations, and certainly we know what our end goals are, and we it might take several years to get to the final end goal. Um, but you know, we uh, that's all part of the the negotiating process and trying to get something done as well. I want to talk to you here in just a minute about some of the uh, items that were discussed at this most recent convention. But when you look back at some of the things you guys have accomplished, boy, the the bottle bill, the elimination of the minimum hunting age, and I think you guys were involved in the uh, introduction of the 450 Bushmaster as well. Yeah, the straight-walled cartridge uh, issue actually came through a couple different years, and that's one where, um, you know, we had a long-standing policy, and we were just never able to kind of break the logjam to convince people that this was the right thing to do until, I think it was Indiana, actually got the regulation first. And that presented, again, a, a sort of a new wave of uh, interest in it. Um, I believe it was 2009 when the resolution came through. So it still took a few years to actually um, put something together that was supported by the department, supported by hunters, um, and and was consistent, again, with our resolution um, to actually get that enacted. So these things, you know, are definitely not automatic. Other other things, you know, we might add a resolution where we already have a bill introduced and uh, it's just a matter of us, you know, showing up and supporting it and it might already be kind of on its way. Um, so we do have some of those easy, easy low hanging fruit ones too, but <laughs> some take a, a lot more time. Uh, so let's look at this past convention here that you just wrapped up, Amy. Uh, what of interest, anything newsworthy, anything you would want us to, uh, to know that you uh, adopted or talked about this time around? 
Well, uh, there's several, and we could go in lots of different directions. Um, A large amount of wildlife issues were up this year, not as many fishing ones. So I guess taking the fishing ones first, because there's only a couple, um, we did pass a resolution this year uh, expressing some, um, I guess, parameters, concerns, uh, guidance for the department when we're talking about the Michigan Arctic Grayling Stocking Initiative that's been talked about a lot from the DNR. Um, MUCC and its partners um, want to support it, but there's a lot of concerns about what happens in a, in a, if there's a change to the legal status of Arctic grayling um, where they might become threatened or endangered under the Endangered Species Act and what that might do then to habitat work and fishing in those bodies of water where they have been now reintroduced. So that's a concern that we want um, addressed as we go forward in this stocking initiative of reintroducing an extirpated species. Um, the other concern there is that, um, you know, that the, the department, and, and I think this is what the department is willing and intending to do, is to engage stakeholders and anglers from that local body of water if they're looking to other, other streams and rivers in Michigan um, for introduction here because we want to make sure that the anglers there are on board with a new species coming in, which might ultimately change the ecosystem and kind of the, the management of what might have been going on there for a number of years. So um, there's also a concern about how we fund this, and so we want to make sure that this uh, program is sustainable and is not going to take away from the existing fisheries work that we've long, you know, long known we've not needed to do in different research in warm water species and, and implementing the inland trout management plan. We don't want to take away from these things that we've been working on for a long time in order to uh, go after uh, a new extirpated species and trying to reintroduce them because it can be certainly a, a long-standing um, and complicated and, and at times resource-intensive endeavor. This seems to be a good example of an issue that it w- at first blush would a- appear to be pretty simple and basic and straightforward, but the more you look at it, there are a lot of different factors that could be involved. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, again, it's not that we are opposed to taking on such an initiative. It's just that we want the department to be really aware of all these different parameters where we have concerns so that they can set their processes up to address them on the front end before we run into problems. You know, hopefully not, but on the back end. Sure. Sure. What else in a fishing-related vein? Amy? On the, uh, the other fishing one was on um, the daily perch harvest rules. Um, so for those of our listeners not familiar, Lake Ogiebic, they a few years back now um, implemented a 25 perch bag limit with no more than five fish 12 inches or greater. And this is something that was widely popular up there. And we had a member from the UP that wanted to see if uh, our members would support bringing that regulation statewide into other state inland lakes. Um, I think there was tremendous support for this. Uh, frankly, it surprised me because this is one where, you know, from our staff perspective, until we go through this process, we don't know what's going <laughs> to come out of the process. Um, and uh, But people, you know, 
it doesn't seem to be a biological issue. I don't think there's any great concern for the population for perch, except maybe where cormorants are impacted. Um, but, uh, but in terms of the bag limit, um, but it's more just an issue of fairness. It's an issue of, you know, making sure that everybody has an opportunity to, uh, you know, get a couple meals worth, um, and uh, share the resource with everybody else. Um, it sounds to me like the department is also willing to in, uh, entertain this bag limit. Um, however, the the no more than five fish of the bigger fish, um, that's going to be something that we're going to have to um, have more discussions about. So I think uh, I think again it was it was widely supported among our membership, but um, we uh, will have to see how we can implement it. Fair enough. I will keep my uh, my eyes and ears open to see what you guys come up uh, with in that area. What else, Amy? Uh, well, we actually did go on record on line five. That was uh, uh, the Enbridge uh, pipeline uh, underneath the Straits of Mackinac, and um, that was something where we had not, um, we just didn't know whether we should be expending the resources of the organization working on line five. There's a lot of great conservation and environmental groups working on this issue, but um, our, our membership, and particularly Saginaw Field and Stream Club uh, leadership, uh, felt it was necessary that MUCC should be engaged. Um, and really, what the resolution says is that we should be working with our national partners at National Wildlife Federation and any other decision makers to protect the Great Lakes from any oil spill. So how we go about implementing that is uh, probably um, still very flexible at this point. And, um, but you can, you can be assured that we'll be looking for all kinds of alternatives to the pipeline or in regulations to make sure that the pipeline is as uh, you know, airtight and solid as it, as it can be. Again, this is the uh, Michigan Out of Doors podcast, a presentation of MUCC. You can learn more about uh, MUCC at their website, MUCC.org. That's MUCC.org. The Facebook page, facebook.com slash MUCC1937. And on Instagram at MUCC1937, we're talking with uh, Deputy Director Amy Trotter. And Amy is going through kind of a, a recap of this most recent uh, convention. What else should we be aware of, Amy? Um, we're looking at new laws on wanton waste as it pertains to deer and perhaps other species. So there is actually a wanton waste law um, pertaining to white, t- or, excuse me, waterfowl. That's actually a federal law, meaning that you you should not, you shall not shoot um, waterfowl and have no attempt to retrieve them. Um, and the concern is that we should have something similar for deer here in Michigan. Um, people tell stories about people hanging deer, um, not cutting it up, it goes to waste, you know, and that just, um, things like that, or, you know, carcasses left in the woods um, or out in the field um, because, you know, maybe they were, it was a crop damaged deer or something like that, and they just have no desire to retrieve that animal, and that gives black eyes to hunters everywhere. So we want to make sure to that that's not happening. And also, um, just from a disease standpoint, we should not really be leaving carcasses in the woods any longer. Um, we need to be disposing of them properly. And so, but we want to make sure that the meat is harvested 
at least the main points, not just the back straps again, um, because that doesn't look good from a from an outside non-hunter's perspective. So we should be taking reasonable attempts to retrieve the animal, the meat, and then also getting that carcass uh, properly disposed of. So we want to look to the legislature and to the NRC uh, if needed on how we can uh, create some regulations around that. That would seem to be something that all hunters can get behind. I mean, in, in, in today's world, it's unfortunate, Amy, but you and I both know that our public perception, our public persona these days is more important than ever. Exactly. Yes. So, um, yep. And that's when it's going to be one of those things, you know, we're nearing the end of a legislative session this year. So I wouldn't expect, you know, us to, to really have how we're going to do this implemented um, probably until sometime in 2019, where we'll be, have a little more time to work with whoever the new administration is and whoever the new legislative <laughs> leaders are. Uh, and we'll see what we can do on that one. So some of these are easy to implement a little more quickly. Uh, Others are going to take more time. What else are you working on, Amy? Or what else has been, um, what's the word? What's the word uh, adopted? What is the word that I should be using here? Uh, approved resolution. Okay. Yep, yep. Approved, adopted. Um, well, there's still so many. So we had, <laughs> we did have six, 16 um, resolutions passed. So I could probably talk a long time about all of them. I think I'll I'll pick the hottest one. Okay. Uh, was uh, working closely um, on the management of CWD, TB, and other diseases, and how we're going to go about that. So um, MUCC has a lot of policy on the books with regards to disease management. Um, We passed several resolutions in even just the most recent few years, but even going back to um, 2002 regarding uh, chronic wasting disease. Um, So we have a litany of resolutions, whether it's talking about cervid carcass um, import into the state. We enacted that already into law. Um, We're looking at captive cervid regulation reforms. Um, We have a few bills introduced on that, and and some of those, you know, we're hopeful either through DNR or MDARD regulations or even federal USDA, we might be able to get some of those implemented. Um, We also have, you know, strong support for doing something prohibiting baiting and feeding in Michigan because we feel that that is a human-assisted vector for disease transmission that, it, again, it's not perfect. We're not going to solve disease, but it's it's just one of those things that we can reduce the risk on the landscape. So we have a litany of these resolutions on the books. Um, what this new resolution says is, you know, Keep working on those. Do whatever we can to educate our members as to why we're we're working on these things. So continue that education, um, whether it's in our magazine, email, on this podcast, um, and and how to promote hunter involvement in cooperation with the DNR to combat these diseases, or at least contain them. And then um, what this what this really uh, struck a point on was to. Uh, ensure that MUCC and its members are supportive of additional harvest of does in these affected deer management units by whatever means we can do. So it it puts us on, uh, you know, there there are some people who, you know, 
are opposed to the harvest of does for whatever reason, from tradition, from um, when they remember there weren't many deer in southern Michigan. But um, this puts MUCC on record as, you know, uh, recognizing and supporting the harvest of does as a disease management and containment strategy. So, the other things it talks about, though, is we also need to keep hunters hunting, and we need to make sure that there are things that we're doing to um, to combine resources and, and, again, adjust on the fly when we need to to promote that hunter involvement in being, you know, a, a main tool for management. So um, what isn't in this resolution as passed is antler point restrictions. So it, this was a um, resolution that was put forward by Quality Deer Management Association um, to our membership. They wanted to include antler point restrictions as a as a a method to promote the taking of does. Um, that that part of the resolution was actually taken out of the final resolution. And what that tells our staff is that. Um, you know, antler point restrictions are not going to be necessarily uh, overall component to the disease strategy that we're we're trying to implement. But we we need to harvest more does, so it, it still might be a tool, um, but it's not the only tool. Certainly, we have to expect that you know we're doing what we need to do on all the other fronts and that um this isn't just the the reason why we're going to uh be you know uh changing our regulations in in the context of disease management so um so that was a pretty divisive one mm. it uh, it um you know got amended several times and there were several amendments that were supported and failed and uh it, it took an awful long time it was um, certainly the most controversial. Uh, the other thing it did was um, did confirm that we continue to support the baiting ban here in Michigan um, that is proposed as part of the DNR's uh, uh, regulations package right now. Um, and that was uh, something that MUCC has been on record since uh, 2007. So that wasn't a surprise that they uh, did reinforce and, and reconfirm the, our support of the baiting ban. Well, Amy, <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but those last three items you brought up, baiting, how to deal with CWD, and mm -hmm. antler point restrictions, I don't think you could have picked three hotter topics than, than those right there. Yep, and it's all wrapped in one resolution. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the uh, the other thing that um, you know that that does is it you know it was very timely because we did have, um, like I mentioned, the chair of the NRC, the director of the DNR, the head of the wildlife division, um, that were all in the room listening to the discussion. So even regardless of how the votes come out, they have a lot better of a context about how people view these kinds of issues and, and feel about them and the passion, you know, that they exude on that, you know, because sometimes the NRC only hears, you know, the most vocal people who are available to come on a Thursday. <laughs> and uh, that's, you know, that may or may not represent um, all hunters. I feel like MUCC does a good job of, um, you know, getting the perspectives from all over the state, all in one room, to hear all of the the different um, sides of a of an issue. Well, I, once again, I just think it's another example of the 
I don't want to say the power, but the the influence that uh, MUCC has, the uh, ear that you have in Lansing, the way people listen to you, and, and and if people want to learn more about the you know the rest of these resolutions, all the details I suspect are at MUCC.org. That is correct. Yes, we have a whole convention recap, um, and we didn't even get to talk about all the uh, other things that we did at convention, including our award winners um, and our elections. But all of that is up there as well. We have a new board of directors, um, and uh, we we gave some really great people uh, convention uh, awards as well. So uh, you know, honoring their years worth of. Uh, uh, work in conservation here in Michigan. Oh, Amy, we can talk about it. We got time to bring them up if you like. Oh, all right. Um, well, I guess first I'll start with our the election of our board of directors too, which um, just two years ago we really restructured how we how we govern our organization, and we have a much smaller board of directors than we used to. We used to have about 109 slots available. And um, now we're down to a probably a lot more reasonable 15 or so <laughs> spots available. Um, and that includes a, a president who is actually elected as vice president for two years, and then they ascend to the presidency after two years. And then they stay on the board as well as immediate past president for another two years. So the person getting elected as vice president knows they have a six-year kind of term ahead of them. And that individual this year was Greg Peter from Chelsea Rodden Gun Club. And he has been involved in the organization for a number of years in a variety of capacities. But he is, um, you know, statewide renowned uh, veterinary uh, wildlife disease expert, actually. Mm. So he has come to testify with me on on a variety of things, whether it was feral swine or um, the the most recent deer sterilization issues. He's he's very well versed in TB and CWD as well. Um, so uh, it's great to have him now uh, formally into the leadership of our organization uh, to look at the overall governance of of the body, uh, not just policy issues. And then the person who is now our president is George Lindquist, and he is from UP Whitetails in Marquette County. So it's our first UP president in a very long time. I can't tell you how long it's been, but it's been quite some time since we've had uh, a UPer um, in the lead chair for our executive board. Wonderful. And then, and then we have regional directors. There's nine regions that we've broken up the state in, um, and they come from so they come from all the different areas and lots of different clubs. Individual members can run for these seats too, and we do have a couple vacancies still in Southeast Michigan. So if anyone is ever interested in learning more about how to engage in our board of directors or even our conservation policy board that I mentioned is kind of critical first step to the resolution process, we do have some slots available, and so I would uh, welcome any uh, interested individuals to contact me about that. And you said convention is also a time to hand out some awards. Yeah, so we honored um, great individuals, and I'll just run through not the whys, but at least the the awards that we gave out. Um, We had the Wildlife Conservation of the Year Award that was given to Bob Depker, and uh, he was he is now a retired wildlife biologist with the Michigan DNR Wildlife Division. Um, we gave our Unsung Hero Award uh, to Frank Christ for his work on protecting natural resources and his involvement with Hammond Bay Anglers Association and the Lake Huron Citizens Advisory Committee. We gave the Ben East Award to John Azoga 
who a lot of people know as kind of a, a legendary researcher and biologist on white-tailed deer in Michigan. The Corporate Conservationist of the Year Award was given to Rob Miller and Miller Electric for their contributions to our youth camp in Chelsea. The Special Conservationist Award uh, was given to Stuart Kennewell for his service to Chelsea Rod and Gun Club. Uh, and then the Affiliate of the Year Award was given to Lake St. Clair Walleye Association, which they did a tremendous job at our convention and even earlier in the year challenging people to um, donate to our kids' camp. So they put up $4,000 and made it sort of a challenge grant to other clubs to donate, and they were successful in um, raising at least $2,000 more from clubs and individuals right in the room at convention. Um, and then they decided to kick in the other two to, <laughs> to get us to an $8,000 donation to our kids' camp to uh, renovate our art shed, which is amazing donation and really great support um, from that part of the state. We also had the Educator of the Year Award given to John Gray, um, he has uh, been really critical to, we've talked about on this program before, the Riley Wilderness Youth Camp Scholarship that helps give uh, kids a chance to get to camp who might otherwise not be able to afford to go. We gave Volunteers of the Year Award to several people who have helped us out for decades now at Outdoorama and the Ultimate Fishing Show. These are our friends that sell the raffle tickets, that staff the booth, um, and that have just put in hours and hours over the course of these shows um, to, to help us and represent MUCC. And that was Eldon Montrose Sr., Fred Tishka, Jim Shipley, Dennis Hollowell, Charlie Baker, and John Dixon. And then finally, um, the Legislative Conservationists of the Year Award was given to State Representative Gary Howell. And he, um, we talk to him and about him a lot because he's the chair of the House Natural Resources Committee, where almost all the laws uh, that we work on have to go through. And he's just been a tremendous um, supporter, a great listener, and a great partner on all these different um, legislative pieces that we work on. So we were really pleased to honor him as well. Wow. <laughs> There's a lot going on at that convention. Yeah, it's a, it's an exhausting, uh, you know, 15-hour days for our staff, but we get a lot done in a, in a short amount of time. Well, again, if folks want to learn more about the convention process, the resolutions, and anything re, uh, involving MUCC, Michigan United Conservation Clubs, check out the website MUCC.org. That's MUCC.org. The Facebook page, Facebook.com slash MUCC1937, and on Instagram at MUCC1937. Anything else, Amy? I think that about covers it. I'm always open for uh, further conversations, though, as we uh, work towards implementing these uh, resolutions, which is really where the you know rubber meets the road. Amy Trotter, always a pleasure. I appreciate you joining us on this edition of the MUCC Podcast, the Michigan Out of Doors Podcast, and we'll talk to you next time right here on the Michigan Out of Doors Podcast.